A quick content note here before we begin this episode of What Am I Rolling? This episode's one-shot, Below, is a solo RPG which deals with themes of depression, hopelessness, and loss through metaphor. In the game, the character gets lost in a strange and frightening place with seemingly no way of escape, and there is also mention of an animal who is injured and suffers as a result. This game is not a therapeutic tool, but a way to explore these themes in a safe way. So, if you're not in the right headspace just now to listen, please feel free to stop and come back if or when you're ready. Thanks, and stay safe, my friends. Hello, and welcome to What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Hosted by me, Fiona. This is part two of our Below One Shot, so make sure you've listened to the first part before continuing on with this episode. To briefly recap, I am playing Catherine Taylor, the head gardener at Kew Gardens in London. After having an argument with Imogen, her child, Catherine went to oversee some renovation work happening in the treetop exhibit in the deeper parts of the gardens. She fell down a steep stone slope and awoke in an unfamiliar place, a dimly lit forest covered in multicoloured fungi. As each day passes, Catherine worries how she will get back and what else might be in this forest. Remember... Each day, the player must read the day's prompts and respond to them as they see fit. There is no right or wrong answers for the prompts, and there are no good or bad drawings. In fact, where appropriate, it is strongly encouraged for the player to sketch their answers in their book. But they can also feel free to use words, either instead of or in addition to. The player can change any aspect of what they've been asked to fit with what they've included before. They can also ignore or change a question. The point is that the game is a unique experience for them and no one else. At the end of each day, the player must make sure they also complete the return questions to bring them back to themselves in their real life and leave the game behind until they complete the next prompt. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, most of myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes And what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's get back to below. you awaken to the screeching of that animal again. This time, more frantic, more erratic. Sleep will be impossible now, so in near-total darkness, you stumble through the bog to find the creature. It's calls the only way that you're able to find it. When you do, you almost wish you hadn't. One of its wings has been torn off completely, and the other is badly damaged. How else is this creature injured? I think I almost throw up. I just see it lying there in the underbrush, looking just awful. Some sort of, like, black spatter down its skin. One of its legs is, like, trapped in, like, 
a viney bush, I guess, or... It's weird. I've not seen anything like this before. It, it almost... You could almost say that as this creature was trying to get away, this bush reached out one of its vines and yanked it towards it. The leg looks pretty slashed up. I look around. I don't see any sign of anything or, or the creature... Anything or anyone that could have done this. I, I spin around and then I see the other... Well, I see the detached wing and... Uh, just see it there, lying on the on the forest floor. Surrounded by fungi already. Oh, God. Unable to leave the creature... You kneel next to it and become silent. You think for a moment it might be dead, but its eyes stay open, stay locked on you. What do its eyes look like? What makes you understand that you have to try and help this creature? As I kneel down onto the forest floor, my knees squishing the dead carpet of leaves and fungus aside and just see it breathing ever so slightly its little chest rising, falling rising falling its eyes are an incredible shade of green, like an emerald almost it's like a cat's eye sort of the, the slit when it blinks it has the two lids it's very, very still. Clearly scared of me. Scared that, you know, it's in this position being vulnerable. And that's what it is. I realise how vulnerable this creature is right now. I think back to earlier when all I could think about was how weird it looked and how ugly and how creeped out I was by it. And now... And now we are the same. We are... We're together, like... And unsure of what to do. This poor thing, I can't... I can't let it end like this. I gotta try. I just have to try. You decide that the best course of action is to bring it back to your shelter. And, at least, try and make it comfortable. How do you get the creature back to your shelter? I take off my, uh my uh, gardener's coat and slowly but surely wrap it around the creature again I, I can see it's got talons so I sort of cover its feet first and then wrap it around its back being very careful with the spiny wing and then with the other hand gently lift it it doesn't move this whole time eyes pretty much staring at me it's a little chest rising up falling down I can see it's a little heart beating, quick, scared. Once I've got it supported and I've got a good grip on the feet, I slowly but surely shift it onto my knees and then up my chest a little, not too close to my face. Again, I, I don't want to scare it. All this time I'm like, let's just start saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, trying to be soothing, just, it's all right. It's okay. 
And then slowly but surely, I rise to my feet, trying to be as careful as I can not to make any sudden movements. Make my way back to the shelter. As you carry it back, you think a first step will be to find it food. It's only now you realise you haven't eaten anything or drank anything since you've been here. But you're neither hungry or thirsty. You wonder why this is, but you don't mind. Once you drop off the creature, you go forage food for it. What do you find that you're able to get? What do you see that you're not able to get? When you return, what does the creature eat? I mean, all their bloody is is fucking fungus. I grab a little bit of my shirt and out of my pocket, I pull out my pen knife and I gather a little bit of the fungus. When I cut through the, the flesh of it, there's a little bit of a moment where I think, oh God, oh no, please, please, you know, please don't anything bad happen. And I cut through it, nothing happens. It's just a mushroom. Spores don't release. I'm not burnt or set on fire or extinguished or have my skin melted away by some sort of acid juice. I gather a few little bits and pieces, but again, I'm not 100% sure, and I hold it in my T-shirt like a little bag. As I'm doing this, I see something in the underbrush. Just, again, that little reflective spark you see in cat's eyes. I see it, maybe five feet away, looking at me. And I stop. And it dashes away, whatever it is. I can't catch up to it, and... Well, I don't think I'd want to, because it's big. Whatever it was was about the size of my arm. And had way too many legs. I don't think that would have been a good thing for this creature to eat. When I get back, I think this creature's not really moved. So again, I worry that it's dead. And it slowly blinks as I put the mushrooms next to it. And I wait. It just blinks at me. There's sort of a, a yawn. And then it sort of closes its eyes. And its breathing becomes a lot deeper and more rhythmic, slower. It's gone to sleep. I feel like an idiot. Fuck, of course it's not going to eat bloody mushrooms. It knows it better than I do. I tried. I said to sit back and listen to it breathing as it's falling asleep. And underneath it all, it's like a slight whimper. It's almost like this creature's crying itself to sleep. And I feel awful. It's in so much pain. I've not done anything to help it. Sure that this poor creature will die despite your best efforts, you fall into an uneasy sleep.
Day 7. You awaken and look over at the creature. It is breathing shallowly, but it is breathing. It seems unaware that you're there, though. It will be fine here, you decide. Or it will die. You're not sure why you're even bothering. You wander back to the slope of the looser rocks you think you fell down. You want to see if, perhaps, the water flows down another path, one that might actually lead somewhere. Arriving there, you're suddenly struck with the realisation that you're going to die here, alone. The only creature you've seen is the one that's wounded in your shelter. When you do get hungry, there'll be nothing for you to eat. Dejected, you decide to write a note for when, eventually, someone finds you. Who do you want to say goodbye to? What regrets do you want to share? I think about it for a long time before I even start writing letters on my little notebook that I have with me. There's only one person that I really, truly care about, and that's Imogen. I think about including Abigail, or any of the members from Kew Gardens. And then I realise how small my world has shrunk over the last few years. How I've not really spoken to people, or treated them as colleagues or as friends. So I, I just limit it to Imogen. Something that does make me feel passionate and something that does want me to get out of this place. So I write to them. And I think about the last time we spoke and how I ended it in anger. And I start rewriting what I should have said to them. Saying that I know they're right. And I know they just want to fix. And they want to make things better, but sometimes... They can't make things better. But it doesn't mean that I don't appreciate what they're doing. And that they should keep that positivity, that passion, and use it for good for everyone. Some things you just can't fix. But you shouldn't give up as a result. And it's hard. It's so hard right now. You think... God... There's so much right now going on in the world. All you want to do is keep close to the people that you love, and even that is not an option for some. It's not an option for me. And you feel frustrated and angry and just... and just alone. No one should be alone when they die. No one should be alone when they're... well... I have regrets. I regret being angry at Imogen. I regret not trying to be a better person. I maybe even regret not sticking it out and trying to make it work with Abigail, but... Sometimes... It's okay to regret things that you know you had no choice in. And it's okay to mourn those choices. And the loss of something potential. I regret that I won't see Imogen. Like, I won't see them... I won't see Imogen with their family. I won't see 
Imogen fulfill their potential no matter what they decide they want to do. All I want is for the best for them, and if I don't get to see that, then that is a shame. Every choice I've made up until this point, bar arguing with Imogen, I feel I've been justified in. I just regret that if that action hurt Imogen in any way, then that's not what I wanted. And I should have been more compassionate. I know why it might seem upsetting or scary to write such a note, but I don't feel sad. I don't feel pain for doing it. I feel I have to do it. It's just one of those things. I have to get this feeling out on paper and carry on the best I can. Just another thing I need to do to structure my day. And if I don't need it, I don't need it. Would I be ashamed if I get out of here and there is no use for the note? No. Because I know what I'm going to say to Imogen when I see them. There's there's no doubt about it. I will see them. You're not giving up, but you want to make sure these words are out there in case you don't make it out. As you finish your letter, you start making your way back to the shelter. As you do, you find another boulder with more strange writing on it. What does the writing look like? What do you think it means? Now this... This spooks me a little bit because I haven't... I've walked past this part at least a dozen times now in my search for the end of the swamp and there's another boulder. Much bigger than the last one. My heart sinks a little bit as I wander around the side and I see the scratches in it. There's definitely a lot more writing in this one. The scratches, nearly like the Rosetta Stone, if you can imagine, all over the side of the surface. I don't know what it means. In a way, it's beautiful. Just the way the carvings are in with the stone, and clearly it's been here for some time, even though I've not seen it. The moss growing in some of the cracks that have been scratched in. It must be some sort of poetry, some sort of verse, all the way down the side of this boulder, carefully cut in with some sharp scratching implement. It must have taken hours to do. Maybe, I don't know, weirdly it comes to my mind as some sort of someone writing a story, like... They would do in the uh, old days when they would paint on cave walls, but this would be writing, like pyroglyphs, in the pyramids. I don't know what it means. I wonder if it's a sign for me to get going, that I've stayed here too long in one place, but I can't go. No, I. if I go any further I'll get even more lost and I... I just need to stay here. When you arrive back at the shelter, the creature is so still that you think it must be dead until it lets out a rattling wheeze. You try to give it some more food, but it seems uninterested. 
Day eight. The creature has crawled closer to you in the middle of the night, and as you stir awake, it recoils with a start, then groans in pain. Still, it moved. That has to be a good sign, right? The letters on the boulders you have seen are haunting you. In your dreams, for a moment, you understood what the symbols mean, and they told you how to get out. But that's now all gone. Your stupid brain can't hold on to a simple dream. You wonder if maybe you deserve to die here. The one thing you do remember, though, is that neither of the boulders you have already seen is the one from your dream. As you start making your way out to explore, you glance into the swamp and a memory stops you in your tracks. Something from your dream. The way the dying and dead trees frame the muck of the swamp is precisely what you saw in your dream before finding the boulder in your dream. What does this image look like exactly? I close my eyes to really get a sense of what I'm seeing which I know sounds weird. The swamp goes on as far as the eye can see. The same brown, black, grey sludge. Trees like spindly fingers protruding from the ground, reaching up to the sky, covered in... in an unimaginable number of fungi. As I get out of the shelter, I look and I freeze because it's like a snapshot. There's like just two gaps in between the trees in the distance and just the way the leaves look are displayed on the swamp floor. It looks for a moment like one of those magic picture puzzles, one which you can see one way and then you can see it another way. This one reminds me of a lady in the mirror. Like a beautiful Victorian lady powdering her nose, putting on her evening wear, ready to go out. That's one way of looking at it. Another is that you see a skull. And that's what I see for a moment. The way everything is lined up, I see a skull through the negative outline of everything. It's now seared into your memory. A flashbulb. A moment of hope. Almost on instinct, you make your way into the mire, your feet seeming to pull you with each step, first towards the centre of the muck, then down. In the murky haze, though, you see a shape, and you know it's the boulder. You press on, even though the thick mud is nearly to your knees, And you're moving, not stepping through the mud. Another part of your dream comes back to you. How do you now know this boulder can help you get back to the world you know? I'm just getting flashes from before where I walked and I walked and I walked. I just remember standing in front of it. This time this boulder is covered both sides all the way around with these scratches, these letters. But I think there's like a hand 
icon, a symbol, just at head height, covered in fungi. And in the dream, I remember, again, like a montage, getting up to it, walking around the boulder 360, and then putting my hand on it, on that icon. I think it's a portal. Like a, like a stone, like a something that connects the gateway between these worlds. Something that's present in both places. And to open it, you just need to know the right word or the right phrase or the right gesture. That's what all the writing is about. It's detailing the rules of this place. And the rules how to get back, but it's in some language that I can't understand. But the icon, that is the key. That that hand scratching, that's that's what it is. I put my hand on it and well, we'll see, huh? Just as the boulder comes into view, though, your feet give way from under you, and you start to slip beneath the mud. In the last few moments before you slip under the surface, you find a way to get out, though you must move away from the boulder. How do you get out? It's so sudden. I've been walking so carefully and so calmly, so the sloshing of the water had become rhythmic. And then as soon as I slip, the noise of the world comes back. An echoing, thrashing noise. I'm gasping for air as this mud is sucking me down and down and down deep into the mire. I try everything. I try... try, like, crawling. I try swimming. I try... I'm screaming for help. I don't care who hears me. I need to get out. I'm so taken by the shock of it. What feels like a lifetime goes by. And suddenly my hand grasps under something, under the water. A root. A long, spindly root from one of the nearby trees. And I pull, and I pull, and I manage to get myself back onto some sort of bank. Much further away from the boulder. I get out covered in dead leaves and mud my hair sticking to my forehead I'm breathing hard and I put my back against the tree and close my eyes and try not to cry you look at the boulder for a long time hip deep in the mud and back with solid footing again it's out of reach you are too tired to try again and what little light this place allows is fading, as if in response to your failure. You drag yourself through the swamp, back towards your shelter, back towards the creature you probably cannot save, back to where you will probably die.
Day 9. You dream of nothing, yet you waken still tired, still caked with mud that is still wet. The creature opens an eye slightly when you waken, but it does not recoil. You reach out a hand. It eyes it, then seems to smell it cautiously. What does the creature look like when it does this? When it sniffs my hand, it almost wrinkles up its face like, ugh. I don't blame it. I've not had a shower or washed since... since from before, so... (laughs) Its reaction is almost comical. It reminds me so much of just a cat with wings. (laughs) Weirdly, it doesn't look scary anymore. Now that I look at it more closely, it's definitely more lizard-like. More reptilian, I guess. The way it claws its feet, like, moves it. As I go in to just brush a little bit of its dirt away from its face. Seeing its chest. Rising. Falling. Rising. Falling. It seems to be at peace just now. Or at least resting. And I guess it knows that I'm... I'm not going to hurt it. It's got used to me. Its eyes, though, are incredible. Definitely, definitely cat-like eyes. Incredible sort of emerald onyx eyes. Like, it's like diving into a deep, grassy hill. Or a sea of some sort. You could just get lost in them. There's so much stuff there. And it's so intelligent. There must, you decide, be a way to get to the boulder in the swamp. You make your way back to just before where your feet gave away yesterday. You inch your way to one side, then the other, finding nothing on either side except what you can't help but imagine is bottomless mud. You retreat, the boulder receding in your vision behind the filthy haze that fills the air in this place. You make your way around the swamp, but you've been fooled. There's no footing in most of the swamp. Your success getting even this far was just luck. You cannot bring yourself to complete the circuit around the swamp. You tell yourself that it's because you're too exhausted from making it through the muck. You tell yourself that you can try again tomorrow. What other lies do you tell yourself? It's getting harder and harder to keep the truth out, isn't it? I keep thinking back to the note I wrote yesterday, or was it even the day before? The one meant for Imogen. I tell myself that when I get out of here, I won't need that note. I'll just tell it to Imogen myself. I think of all the things I'm going to do once I'm out of here. I think about going for that meal with Imogen and Abigail. I think about going back to my job in Kew Gardens and gardening and maybe changing up a few things. Maybe having more holidays. Maybe spending more time with people that I really, really love. 
I think about, I promise myself that I can go visit art museums. I can go visit other parts of the world. I make a list of things I would love to do and things I'm going to do when I'm back. I make the list as long and as complex as I can keep in my head because I don't want to think about it not happening. I think about how busy I will be. I think about how... how fun it will be to be out of here and how much I'm looking forward to the future and how much everything's going to change. I mean, they're all lies, really. But they're little lies. Little white lies. But it's not hurting anyone just now. When you're nearly back at camp, you hear the scream. The creature, again, is crying out. Your muscles find a way to work again. You make it back to find your shelter ripped away and a predator attacking the creature you saved, which is fighting for its life. Without thinking, you join in the fight. What does this predator look like? What is so fearsome about it? How do you just manage to fend it off? I recognise it. It's the creature I partially saw before. The one as big as my arm. The one with too many eyes. It fights with like a flurry of limbs. Too many limbs. Spider-like in its movements. On each of its tendrils, which it whips back and forth towards this creature on the ground, it's like sharp claws, sharp knives. It feels like it's just a living cat of nine tails whipping around the area. But I can't but I can't distinguish it like a silhouette or anything because it's just a fog of black, a void, a negative against already dying light in this forest. It hurls itself at the creature on the ground, the sphinx-like, bat-like, bird-like creature, which rolls away and shrieks again for help, trying to get up, trying to move away, limping. What's so scary about this creature, apart from the void and apart from too many eyes glowing from that void and too many limbs spinning and whirling, is that it makes no sound. It's like a negative. A negative of all things. Looking into it, it's draining. Draining everything around it. Without thinking, I join in, and I realise that from before, it was probably hunting me, or sizing me up for it withdrew and made plans so now I don't give it the chance to counterattack to to make a reaction to me fighting it I draw out that penknife I had 
the one I was using before to cook the fungi, and I stab at it several times. It's too quick and almost slides over my arm and hand holding the knife, but I do connect with something. I feel the whole creature deflate underneath me as I stab and stab and stab. I throw and it tosses and turns again like a cloud onto the ground. I stand between the hurt creature and it, staring it down, my breath very shallow, panting. There's almost a moment where I wish it would come for me. I know my time is done. Stop picking on a poor, defenseless creature. Pick on someone your own size. As the predator, hurt, but not critically wounded or permanently deterred, slinks away, you collapse, the adrenaline leaving your body almost as quickly as it came. You staved off the inevitable, not stopped it. But as you unwillingly drift into sleep, you feel the creature press itself into your side. You open your eyes enough to see that its wounds are now worse. Perhaps it wanted to die next to you, not completely alone. Day 10. You awaken to the sound of a branch snapping in the distance, just as the light is starting to glow behind the dense, grey clouds, and bolt upright, grabbing for something to fling at the predator if it's back. You wait for a few tense minutes, but hear nothing. See nothing. When you look down at the creature, you're stunned at how bad it looks. Its eyes can barely open, and you know it doesn't have long to live if someone more capable than you doesn't help it. You think it might die even if someone more capable than you does help it. What does the creature sound like as it breathes? What does it look like? It looks... frail. It looks... So small. Its breathing is so shallow now. Breathing in. Breathing out. Chest. Rising slightly. Falling slightly. It's just a creature. It never harmed me. It never harmed anything. It's just... It just wanted to live. I mean, it's... Like I said, it's something I've never seen before, but... All these things deserve a chance. Right? I don't understand everything about this world. 
I put my hand out ever so slightly, just to touch it. I don't know, give it some comfort, just some sign that it's not alone. And I'm here with it. That it's going to be okay. I don't know how, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be that one, the doomsayer that thinks all these things, but right now, it's not about me. It's just, it's hurt, and it's alone, and it needs me. You know you can't leave it. But you're also worried that you can't carry it with you to the boulder in the middle of the swamp, even if you could get there. You think for a long time, and ultimately decide there's only one way to get out. Going back the way you came in. It might be beyond you to leave that way, but it's the only chance you have to save the creature. You find it strange, but... What is it about the creature that makes you want to attempt what you think may well be impossible? How will you carry the creature while you try to climb out? It finally hits me, this realisation, that in a weird way this creature is just like me, it's hurt, it's alone. If I don't do something... It could be me. It could happen to me. Now, some might say that's quite selfish way of looking at things, but I kind of realised that. These past few days have taught me that I'm not... I'm not treating myself well. I've beaten myself up. I don't let me be open and be honest with anyone, not even myself and look at the hurt it can do I need to do it not just for the creature but for me maybe in a weird way if I do get out, maybe the creature will get better maybe I will get better all I can do is try and exhaust every possible option that's That's it, really. Stubborn way of thinking about it. I take off my... my jacket and slowly lift this creature onto it and wrap it around, trying to keep it warm and zip it up. It looks so small. Tiny in this now oversized jacket surrounding it and supporting it I gently lift it up it weighs so little and if I wasn't careful it would just ragdoll everywhere it's that weak there's no resistance to it there's no resistance to me picking it up I take off my belt and I sort of tie it to secure it around the coat so it doesn't unravel and then use both arms I don't have a backpack I don't have anything so I'm going to have to carry it with both arms and just work out a way to get back up 
It won't be that steep. I'll think of something. I can always readjust when I get there. And I start making the walk, slowly but surely, back to the slope. You carry yourself and the creature to the base of the steep slope of rocks. You take a tentative first step on one of them, but the whole wall seems to shift, the rocks sliding beneath you. Perhaps they've settled now. Starting to climb again, you make it a few feet off the ground before a rock gives way and you tumble back down to the ground. How does it feel to have failed? I just feel the tears sting in my eyes. And I feel them very slowly going down my face. I try again, but the same result. I can't... I can't carry the creature and get out. Maybe I spend ten minutes doing this. Maybe an hour. I cry. I scream. I kick the rock in frustration. I have to make a choice. You recollect yourself and look up at the rocky slope. You can't see the top in the murky fog, but you know it's there. You fell from there. You look at the creature. What do you say to it? What does your hand look like as you place it firmly on one of the rocks in the slope? I look at the creature, nestled in my coat, and it's... I think it stopped breathing. I sit down with it, gently, on one of the rocks at the bottom, lie it down, and look at it. I wipe away my tears, and I say, I'm sorry. I'll... I'll go get help. I'll come back. I promise. I cover it with the coat, giving it enough so that it can... can breathe, as long as it keeps warm. Not accepting what has happened. My hand is covered in the mud, in the leaves, the dirt between the nails. I don't see it as my hand anymore. It shakes ever so slightly. And I start climbing without the creature. And that is below. The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's player was Fiona Howard. This episode's RPG was Below, a 10-day solo journaling game by Doug Lewandowski. 
You can find out more information about Below and buy other Doug Lewandowski games on Ichiko. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at WAIR underscore podcast for latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply. <laughs>